Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Tuesday, October 31st. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. The tech news you could not miss yesterday was that President Biden signed his much-anticipated executive order on artificial intelligence. The executive order is the administration's latest and most substantial attempt yet to regulate AI, and it may be the boldest action to come out of Washington at all, unless Congress moves its own legislation. It effectively pushes the limits of Biden's ability to influence how AI is used across the federal government and within the many industries that it regulates, from education to housing. The White House has repeatedly described AI as having both promise and peril, and the executive order is an attempt to find the balance. Now, the idea of applying safety rules to AI has broad support across the political spectrum and among many key players in the tech industry. But the exact amount and type of regulation is still a matter of debate. And that is where the future political fights lie. Some Republicans, for instance, already complain that too much attention is paid to issues like bias and discrimination, despite evidence that AI can exacerbate those problems in areas like banking and employment. And while industry groups generally gave Biden's executive order a warm reception, that could certainly cool as more details are worked out including the particulars about the AI safety information companies will now be forced to share with the government. For its part, the Biden administration sees this order as sending a message that the U.S. plans to be a leader in both creating and policing AI, a message aimed not just at the rest of Washington and Silicon Valley, but especially at London, Brussels, and beyond. For today's show, I briefly spoke with one of the architects of the executive order, White House Special Advisor on AI, Ben Buchanan. Here's that interview. Hey, Ben, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you. I know you're sort of a speed-dating journalist today, I'm sure. Yeah, just talking about AI. We'll dive right in. I know you've got limited time. You know, this executive order, it has a lot of moving parts, different agencies coming up with guidelines, you know, really over the next nine months. I wonder if you look at the big picture, how do you expect the use of AI will be different a year from now as a result of this order? I think the the big thing is that we want to give Americans and really people all over the world more confidence in the technology and that it's safe, secure, and trustworthy before it's released. So when we set out AI safety standards and the like, and when we uh, require the sharing of red team test results with the government and notification of large-scale training runs before uh, everything's out to the public, that's all in the service of, of the subjective of making sure the technology is safe, secure, and trustworthy before it's released. And does that confidence come from the fact that it's being observed from, from actual changes that industry or, or government are making? Where, where do you expect them to derive that confidence? Yeah, some of the changes are already underway, I think, with the voluntary commitments the 15 companies made. And then we're building on that with this executive order and setting standards for those independent red team tests, uh, requiring them to share the results of those tests with us. Um, you know, of course, pursuing uh, bipartisan legislation uh, as well. So I, I think it's fair to say we will see uh, continued change in practice around safety and security and trust uh, over the next year in AI. Well, this executive order has been described by a few folks in the administration as kind of a bridge until Congress acts on its own AI regulations. 
after, you know, drafting and, and creating this pretty comprehensive executive order, what are the gaps that Congress still needs to fill here? I think it's probably less a question of gaps and more a question of what can they build on this foundation. So what we've tried to do here is set out a pretty clear uh, direction of travel and then continue a conversation uh, with Congress in the places where uh, we need legislative authority to act. So, uh, for example, we've, we've done a lot on AI safety testing, as I've just described to you. And I know some members of Congress have already proposed the idea for licensing uh, AI systems and, and the like. And you, know, you could imagine something like that building on the standards uh, that we are going to develop through this executive order. So I think they're complementary, uh, and we're, we're setting the foundation here and, and eager to work with Congress in a bipartisan fashion uh, to build on top of it without particular reference to you know, what we might build. That's, that's still very much under discussion with them. And are you looking for Congress to also sort of codify this into law? You know, obviously, um, an executive order doesn't have exactly the same permanence as, you know, a law passed by Congress. Is that part of what you're asking for? Well, executive orders have the force of law. Now, a question of permanence, fair enough. But the executive order and the regulations we uh, issue pursuant to this executive order have the force of law and, and are binding in, in that respect. So I think we will... We will um, we're taking meaningful uh, binding action here uh, in a range of areas that, that we think is important. Um, in terms of Congress building on, again, I don't think we've had particularly detailed conversations with them about what that uh, looks like. But but certainly I think it's fair to say we'd like our actions here to be enduring. And we've set up the order in such a way that uh, we think it will be. And in terms of the implementation of um, the executive order, are you going to Congress seeking any any money to to make that happen? Is that something that is that a is that necessary to to actually implement the order that's been released today? We have not had appropriations uh, discussions with the Congress um, uh, yet about this particular order, which you know, as you know, is, is not even yet signed. It's coming out uh, later today. Um, but I think in general, it's fair to say there are some things in the executive order that probably are not terribly expensive. Um, a lot of the, the red team testing, the like, I think it, it might require some money, but it's not going to require huge amounts of money. There's certainly things we can do with existing resources and existing authorities. And then there's some things that if we were to scale them up would, of course, be more expensive. So I'm thinking here of something like the NAIR, the National AI Research Resource, where we're setting up a $140 million pilot uh, through the National Science Foundation using existing appropriated funds. But the NAIR task force recommended a $2.6 billion effort. Um, and obviously, we would need to have that money appropriated from Congress. And my understanding is there's some support in Congress and a bill in Congress already to do that. So that could be part of our AI conversations going forward. Well, I want to talk to you about the timing of the executive order coming sort of the same week as the UK hosts its AI Safety Summit, which I know Vice President Harris is planning to attend. What message is the administration sending to other countries with the release of this executive order? We're trying to lead with substance here, and we're trying to engage uh, with other countries with substance. And, and this is a vision, and the vice president will lay it out in her speech. This is a vision for how the United States is seeing AI policy and AI governance. But our view here is that uh, leadership the United for the United States in AI is not just about inventing the technology, but also about inventing and co-developing the governance mechanisms, the safety protocols, the norms, and the institutions internationally uh, to make sure that technology is safe, secure, and trustworthy. So the UK is, is you know, been an excellent partner with us in the run-up to the summit. Um, you know, we are grateful for all of their support, including of the executive order. Uh, we're grateful as well. The G7 announced the first ever international code of conduct for AI that builds uh, on the voluntary commitments we secured. So we're really uh, prioritizing the international community and have for several uh, several months and really several years here. And I think um, this week shows that between the G7 and the UK and, and this order. We'll be right back. 
the Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You know, we had um, Ambassador Nathaniel Fick on the, the podcast recently. He described the executive order as having kind of an element of moral authority, you know, as the U.S. engages in these international forums. Is that how you see it? I think it lays out the American vision uh, for this. And, and certainly a key part of that vision is that the technology, which has tremendous uh, potential and for upside and downside, has to be used in a way that's responsible. So if you look, for example, at the section of the executive order relating to the U.S. government uh, use of AI, this is where we're really, you know, uh, putting our money where our mouth is. And with, we're talking about these values, but we also have to live these values. So in that section and in the subsequent uh, OMB guidance that we'll build very soon on that section, we are, um, we're announcing um, you know, guidance and procedures in line uh, with the blueprint for the AI Bill of Rights, essentially operationalizing key provisions that we laid out last year um, into, into our actual practice here. So um, I think uh, certainly the executive order reflects our, our view of this and uh, to the degree that morality is about the actions uh, that we take, uh, we're trying to reflect that in our actions as well. And, you know, the EU may be the farthest along in sort of implementing, um, you know, its, its EU AI Act. How complementary is this executive order to, to that legislation and to some of the regulation that's popping up in other, you know, U.S. Uh, allied countries? I think in general it's complementary. In the case of the EU, you know, the, the text, as I understand it, uh, is still under a fair amount of discussion and debate as they go into trilogue um, on the AI Act. So I, I wouldn't want to prejudge where they're going to come out of that. But I think it's fair to say in general, uh, with the voluntary commitments and uh, just more generally since then on AI, we've had productive conversations with the EU about uh, the risks and the benefits of AI and, and look forward to continually uh, continue to working together. There's one uh, particular provision I did want to ask you to weigh in on. The executive order requires companies to disclose information about safety testing to the government, and it's using the Defense Production Act to, to do that. Why, why invoke that law? I'm not a lawyer, uh, but my understanding is that that is the, the most relevant authority um, to achieve the objective here of a safe, secure, and relevant, um, uh, safe, safe, secure, and trustworthy AI. So that's the authority that's most relevant um, to that objective. Uh, and certainly, I think the the history of that law uh, suggests the importance that we're placing on this order. So uh, that's a law that's been used in times of war, it's used in uh, uh, moments like the COVID pandemic and and the like. And that's, I guess, that's what sort of stuck out to me is, you know, is AI on par with with, with war with with COVID in terms of the the implications here? I uh, know. I mean, I, I'm not saying this is the the Korean War, which is when the law was was uh, passed, if I remember correctly. But certainly, it's a relevant authority that lets us achieve the, the objectives here, and we think it's appropriate to use it in this case. This moment that we're in with this, uh, this executive order coming out, how would you characterize where the administration is right now in kind of its uh, regulatory journey when it comes to AI? We still have a lot more to do. We've, we've created a significant uh, book of work for ourselves here uh, with this executive order and the regulations that will follow, and certainly the conversations with Congress. But I also think if you look back, maybe just from May, uh, we've come a long way. We've, we've rolled out the voluntary commitments and we've rolled out the executive order and we're, we're making progress here. And, and we have to keep moving fast. The president's direction has, has been the technology is moving fast and the government has to move fast. And that's what we're doing. 
Ben, thank you so much for joining us on Politico Tech. Thanks so much for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow.